Welcome to the More Beach Meetings podcast produced by Surf Office. I'm Carson Sweezy. The More Beach Meetings podcast gathers the leading voices of the future of work to discuss remote working, company culture, and team retreats with new episodes the first and third Wednesday of the month. Today's guest is Natalie Nagel, the co-founder and CEO of Wildbit. Wildbit believes developers shouldn't spend time in the weeds of process, infrastructure, and communication. Their products remove that pain, allowing you to design, code, and ship brilliant software. They exist for their team. Their products and customers allow them to do the best work of their lives together. Let's get into it. When did Wildbit organize its first retreat, Natalie? Wow, that was, that'll bring me back. I think our very first retreat was in Cyprus. There was five of us. And if I had to tell you when, I want to say 2008. Does that sound right? 2007, March 12th, 2007. Thank goodness for blogs. So what from that retreat, like 12 or 13 years ago, you kind of like stumbled into it because it was a small team and you just wanted to meet in person and people can hear other things you've done with that from other podcasts and blogs and stuff. But what from that first retreat showed you that retreats were something you needed to invest more in and do more of? Up until that point, we had all worked together from our own houses, right? All across the world. A lot of our team was from Russia or Ukraine. We were a small team back then. There was a language barrier. I I speak Russian, Chris doesn't. And the team doesn't speak English very much or didn't speak English very much back then. And so there wasn't, you have to kind of bring yourself back to 2007. There was not a lot of tooling around remote work or just this ability to communicate effectively, as effectively as we can now. There was no Zoom, right? We had Skype. I think we had Skype. I don't even remember. I know we used Instant Messenger, like AOL Instant Messenger back then. So my point is we had been doing this work together for a while and had never had face-to-face interaction. And on top of that, had had very little to no even voice conversations, like even knowing each other's voices. And so we got together to kind of plan strategically. This is, you know, we were doing a lot of consulting work back then. And just to kind of start thinking things through about products and we showed up on retreat together and just kind of had like a very emotional moment, you know, of, wow, you know, we're really good friends. We really like each other. And to meet for the first time felt crazy powerful. And then you take that. And now, especially back then, because we didn't spend enough time in synchronous communication at all, having that opportunity to sit around a table together and scheme and think about what projects we want to do, what the product could look like, what the business could look like, how does that fit together? became really apparent quickly like that there is a very important need to have strategic conversations face to face that they are impossible I would say to do asynchronously and then add to that this ability to get to know each other without a slack you really have instant messenger and you know everybody says text has no tone but it's really tricky and I've found this and I I mentor everybody when they come on board or other founders there's so much that you don't understand about a person until you meet them in real life. So if you're onboarding somebody and they are not going to have their first retreat for a while, it's going to take them some time to really understand how a person is feeling just from words written, you know, in Slack or in email or whatever. Those moments together really uncovered like, oh, maybe this person is joking when I think they're serious, or maybe this way that they're talking actually means something. And you're to start picking up on people's personalities in a way that you weren't able to do it asynchronously. Yeah, Jiffy, the Jiffy integration on Slack only goes so far with conveying. Totally. So can you walk us through a bit more of the evolution from the first retreat 10, 12 years ago to how you guys are thinking about them now? 
Yeah, that it's been quite a journey. That first retreat, we had partners come with us again. We were really tiny. There was like four or five of us. And we had partners, spouses come. And that was, to be honest, the last time we did it. We learned a little bit that what we wanted out of retreat was an opportunity to really meet and strategize and think. And it was really tough for partners to be present because they wanted to spend time together. And there was always this conflict between spending time socially and spending time in work. So we kind of stopped doing that. We evolved more towards, I guess we would say, a range in formality. So that retreat was very rough, just kind of winged it and talked about stuff. We started to move more over the years into retreats that are a little more structured, but still really loose. We used to rent big houses and we'd cook all our meals together, go grocery shopping together clean the house together, you know, very much team connection and building was part of the equation. We got to this point where things got really serious, where we had very detailed agendas with a lot of work, real, real work. And that's something that we try not to do every year, but we still do that very well. To get a chance again to like be strategic and thoughtful in face-to-face time, we really want to maximize that time. Now we kind of do a, a mix of both, getting to know each other, being really flexible, but also making sure that we spend some time thinking through things. So I kind of split the retreats in two pieces, well, maybe three pieces. There's always an agenda because I've learned that people want to know what's going on and people want to be able to retreat to their own space and no one to come back. So we always have an agenda with blocked out times. Everybody knows where meals are, everybody knows where meetings are, and everybody knows who's attending those meetings. I try to structure some bigger team stuff. You know, we're 30 people in a room together. Let's really take advantage of that. So these are big strategic thinking ideas, very wild bit focused. And then we'll break down into maybe current issues or smaller groups that are really important. So, you know, maybe the postmark team meets about something, maybe just the customer success team meets about something. And then I leave space for individuals to kind of connect. So sometimes there's somebody working, you know, two people from that aren't near each other all the time working on a specific project and would love to just sit down and mess around with some stuff or finish something or learn something new. So there's space for that. And then we do one or two bigger social events. We've rented house in, in Orlando, Florida and have gone to Disney World. We've gone to Universal Studios. We've done, we were in Vermont last year and we did kind of a B Corp tour. We went to Ben and Jerry's. We went to a, a brewery. We had a tour with Ben and Jerry's, like a private tour. And they talked to us a little bit about being a B Corp and what that meant to them. So, you know, like it kind of gives us a chance to spend time together. And now, you know, we're, we're so much bigger. We don't really cook meals or do any of that together. We become a little bit unruly. So we have chefs or we, last couple of times we've rented more like little hotels and they do all the meal planning and cleaning and stuff for us. What kind of processes, how did you build those processes or like an understanding of needing the structure and needing to kind of divide time without making it so scheduled, I guess, where people still have time to be by themselves or spend time with other people? I've learned a lot by asking. I ask the team a lot of questions. I'm really annoying. I always ask about feelings and things. So, you know, we're always talking after retreats and trying to get feedback and understanding. And over the years, as we get bigger, we've realized people have more, you know, you have more diverse and different people and they have more needs, right? So if the early team was just kind of like, ah, fly by the seat of our pants, you have more folks who are like, well, that's great, but I kind of want to know what's going on or, you know, what I really want to make sure I have time for rest. And some of us more introverts, you know, or in, I don't know, as he say, introvertedly inclined, I don't know, whatever that is, more in, in ter- need to be able to retreat and have space to regenerate. We do a lot of feedback at the end of retreat and try to understand a little bit more. And I also just, my personal reflection, mine and Chris's and what do we want to get out of this? I'll tell you that a few years ago, what really started this more formal 
practice was feedback we got on one retreat. I forget which one it was, but it was like, why did we all get together? Like, this was just a bunch of, hang- like, I don't want to leave my family and my kids to just like sit around and do nothing. I love you guys and I love the business and I want to make impact, right? I want this to be something that we're like gain value from. We were like, oh, I guess that's right. You know, like the, it is, you know, we are together as a team and we want to make things happen. And so we really just kind of look at it. What do we want to get out of this? You know, these are expensive line items on the budget. So we want to make sure that they're thoughtful and that the team feels like they've received value. And value comes both in project planning and strategic thinking, as well as getting to know each other better. And so really, you know, we have to be thoughtful on that. Even just the things that we do for entertainment has evolved a lot over time. We used to play a drinking game. We all got together and played like a drinking game. That was our annual activity. Um, we don't do that anymore. Like we've totally realized that we've outgrown that. That's not appropriate. And it's been a learning experience for all of us to say, you know, that's not really what we want to do. And so last year we did like a fun scavenger hunt. It was like funny and interesting. And we had, everybody had a great time, broke out into teams and accomplished the same thing. The goal of like, bonding in a casual environment uh, without asking people to drink beer. That's funny that you bring up the the introversion and, and extroversion, I guess. I was going to ask how you plan retreats to accentuate those different personalities, but uh, or accommodate, I should say. I take it from your personality that this is like something innate within you asking for feedback and, and people's feelings. It's not just something you've picked up from the latest book or something. How do you use that personality trait in in setting up events or like taking into account what people are telling you on the team and what their feedback is and also trying to align that with the goal of the company. And like you said, making sure you're not just spending a lot of money for something that's not going to be worthwhile for everyone. It's not always easy because I like to be right like every other entrepreneur, right? But I think for the most part, and this probably goes more than just retreats, right? Always talk like this while there's not a democracy, but it's very much a place where I care deeply about our impact on everybody around us, right? Because I have to have the vision that's a little bit further out, right? I need to be able to like kind of have some veto power or some control over some of the decisions that we make. It's a combination of really wanting these to be meaningful and wanting to understand and constantly improve. I mean, that's a very core tenet of Wild, but we're always tweaking things. We're always tweaking process. We're always tweaking how we work. We're always tweaking, you know, retreats and collaboration and all these things. That's like a constant evolution that I think just that's a personality trait in and of itself that I want to continuously evolve. But the retreats in particular, because they involve people and I care very deeply that my team feels welcomed and safe and comfortable and motivated and excited and fully recharged to do this hard work that we do sometimes on retreats, I need to understand how they're all thinking. And as a growing team, you know, I don't know everybody very personally, like I maybe used to when we were five people where you just kind of did it naturally. And so we want to understand, did you feel comfortable? Did you feel included? There were moments for sure when we were transitioning, you know, these things are really expensive. And there are moments where people, there would be some feedbacks, like everybody on retreat should get their own room in their own bathroom. And I was like, well, that's great, but I can't afford that. So let's find another situation. But my feedback isn't like, you're stupid. My feedback is, I want that too. But right now here's the numbers and like, we can't pull that off yet, but I'd like to get there someday. There's a lot of personalities and opportunities. And so what we've tried to do is kind of say, all right, you have some people who want to spend 24 hours, seven days together. We don't do seven day retreats, five days together, right? They want to just, they're so yearning for that connection with people that they really care about, that they just want things happening all the time. And then we have folks on the team who really want to 
participate, but it depletes them and they need to be able to retreat to their own spaces. And so we've created, or we try to continuously create a schedule that takes both things into account. So for example, 30 people, so evening time, we almost always have some activities on the schedule. And I do that because I want to create space for the team to connect when maybe naturally they would be a little uncomfortable just tapping somebody on the shoulder that they don't work with every day and saying, what are you doing today? I'll give an example. We always play poker, like a big poker tournament. And that usually will have two or three tables. And that almost always includes people from all different parts of the company introverts, extroverts, right? I hate labels, but like, let's say, you know, people who would normally maybe want to go back, they'll build up for that day, right? Like they might go to bed the night before early or whatever, but they're really excited. And it's like really fun. We move around tables and it's really exciting. Other days we'll have kind of free day, free, free evening. And it's like, Hey, a couple of people are playing board games. If you want to play board games, go meet in this room. You know, if you want to just kind of watch, I think last year was like the game of Thrones finale or something like that. I don't remember some big thing. We're going to stream game of Thrones in this room. People are going to be kind of swimming in the pool in this room, you know, not in this room, by the pool. And maybe there's a fire going. So we create just like a sprinkling of opportunities. No, nothing's required. Nothing's forced, but it gives everybody a chance to kind of see where can I plug in, where it feels good. We had big puzzles. We had like 3,000 piece puzzles last retreat, which was really fun that kind of laid out. And you would find a couple of people at the end of the night that was just enough activity, right? Just enough excitement to like have a glass of wine or, you know, a soda and work on a puzzle with one or two other people. You worked on it as long as you wanted. You got tired, you went to bed, you know, like nobody. Those are things I've learned over the years because before it'd be like one activity, we're all doing this thing. And if people are like, well, I don't want to be antisocial, but I also don't really want to do this thing. How do I plug myself in without just going to bed every night? Again, we keep trying to evolve it into, I'm not anybody's mom. I just want to create a space that's inclusive and thoughtful so that everybody gets a chance to come in or come out as fuels them in a positive way. Yeah, it certainly sounds like you're a very intentional leader. And now that you brought up spaces, I'm wondering how you think about the spaces. We chatted a little bit about it before, but what can you tell us about what the space does for the overall experience and maybe how you how that accommodates the the connection? I'm very picky on the type of space and how we use it. To me, a remote team retreat is drastically different than, I was going to say, than a corporate retreat. But let me rephrase. I think corporate retreats just haven't figured it out yet. I think they benefit from the way remote teams do it. In my view, in our view as a team, the purpose of bringing together human beings who don't who work together every day but don't collaborate or don't spend that face-to-face time every day is to create a personal connection, right? To create that human need for uh, connection. And that's a close connection, right? So we don't have meetings around a giant conference table or and we don't have meetings in an event space hall where there's a stage and everybody's sitting in individual chairs. We really, really fight for lots of soft seating, like couches and things like that, where people get to sit next to each other or sit on the floor on cushions or, you know, pull up a chair and then somebody's kind of talking or sharing or collaborating. We eat dinner together. So I fight really hard for either tight, like close together round tables, but I much prefer long tables to be able to kind of really feel like we're eating family style and to be passing the plates around. Those are moments to me, you really want to maximize this opportunity to connect personally, closely, right? Shoulder to shoulder, not in this spread out environment. I also don't really do retreats in big cities. I found that we want to be in closer quarters. We don't want to be on top of each other. We want to have personal space, but we want to be kind of a little bit isolated so we can focus and not have distractions. 
we rented a like a lodge kind of ranch a whole facility once it was great there's tons to do on the property but it was also very much just us and isolated and i think having a space that invites a casual but but formal conversation is really lovely. So if you could do, you know, we do Apple TV. We bring our own Apple TV everywhere to make sure that we can share slides. People prepare presentations. We share slides on an Apple TV, which makes it feel really good and comfortable, but formal enough where like we're taking this seriously. I'm always desperate for a space with a private bathroom for everyone and a private room for everyone. Again, just to try to support everybody's need to recharge individually and have privacy and things like that. And those are extremely hard to find in your standard office, it's your standard hotel slash meeting corporate event space. You know, it's just lots of times it's sharing a room, which I totally get because it's a co- it's cost prohibitive. But if, you know, you could build a space where it's not cost prohibitive, I think it'd be really valuable to give people small spaces of their own and then expand bigger. I'd love to keep talking about that, but I want to talk about something else that you've been super intentional about. This new product you guys I've created people first jobs at first glance. I know there's some controversy because it's, you don't require every company on there to be remote, but can you tell us a little bit about what the product is first of all, and then we can get into the reasoning. We are recording this. It is February 17th, so it hasn't launched yet. So it's depending on when this airs. I always want to caveat that. We announced a project called people first jobs, peoplefirstjobs.com. And it's a job board that's a little bit different because it's intentional around showcasing companies that exist to support people over things like profits or growth at all costs. And the way we believe that you show that is by allowing companies and asking companies to describe more behavior than perks. So I I don't care very much about your beer on tap or your ping pong table. That's not interesting to me. Tell me about how you enable deep work or focus work or how you give people a chance to collaborate that's meaningful. Those are the kind of things that we've heard from job seekers is really critical to them to understand the the work environment. And as we know, people are seeking out more and more meaningful companies to work for, companies that have a purpose that's bigger than themselves. And so we wanted to create a space for companies to both showcase that in profiles and job seekers to be able to filter by things like how many out, you know, what are sane working hours, for example, or leave policies and also ways in which they they optimize for deep focus work. The concept, you know, it is a job board. What we want to do a little bit differently and the catalyst for that work was we don't hire very often ourselves for a profit focused company privately held. So we would get a lot of folks who wanted to come work for us and we didn't have jobs available and they would ask who else is like you out there. And as much as I'd like to think we're a unique snowflake, we are not. There are uniquenesses to our to our work, but we're also great companies who are also as focused in their own ways on creating fulfilling opportunities for people that work for them. So we wanted to give a space where companies like ours and companies that we admire very much can show off their people first personalities, but also for job seekers to be able to follow a company, not a particular job. So the site will allow you to kind of follow these companies. They might not have an active job right now, but you can follow them and wait until you're until they do. It's a pretty different take on traditional job boards, but we're hoping that it really starts a movement or continues a movement towards allowing companies and almost forcing companies to really think about their behaviors more than just the, you know, the health insurance benefits. Not that they're not important, but really the behaviors that they have inside the organization that impact the an individual's fulfillment at work. But the remote part is interesting. So one of the things that we really felt was important about this job board 
is that we don't, while we have very strong opinions, we also believe that a job seeker should be given the ownership of choosing the things that they value very much. And so while we are a remote first team, I don't believe that remote first is the only way. There are tons of reasons why companies don't want to go remote first. And there are job seekers who don't want to work remotely. I have people on my team who don't want to work remotely who come into the Philly office. I want to give the right criteria, but I don't want to require a certain behavior. I want to enable the job seeker to make that choice. So we're creating these kind of filterable requirements or filterable characteristics that you can say, if you want to work for a remote company, you can filter by remote, right? And you have that opportunity. But if that's not a priority to you, you can also filter for either one. So I think I have a friend who runs, uh, Will Reynolds, who runs a company called Sierra Interactive. And Will doesn't run a remote company. He's an incredible employer and the company's amazing and does really good work. But he believes that he, or his goal is to create a meaningful contribution within his communities, his local communities. And so that's the way he's chosen to do it. He wants to hire people locally. He wants to enable those people locally to then go back into their communities and contribute. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And that doesn't make Will's company not people first. So you know, we're trying to create more of a qualification around that. Where you have like a we work remotely and you can only find remote companies. I want to create a space where people can really choose and, and own their job search. I'm glad that you shared it with me before we got on because it's exciting to hear that you have something new coming and um yeah, hopefully by the time the podcast is live, it'll be out. So I'd love to ask one more question, Ellie. I feel like you'd be the right person to ask this to. I talked to a lot of recent college grads about remote work, and a lot of people new into the workforce seem to think it's like this impossible thing to find a company that allows this kind of work relationship. What would you say to a recent grad who is thinking very traditional and maybe even afraid to, to explore something else? The job boards are out there, right? So there's clearly tons and tons of opportunity. And it's funny you said that I have a really good friend who's a lawyer and she's been a lawyer for a long time and she's on the job hunt and very restricting herself to local Philadelphia stuff. And I was like, why don't you go look for a remote? She was like, really? I was like, yeah, why not? Like, you know, that's totally doable. I think there's a lot of nuance to remote work. And I believe that you have to want to work remotely for the right reasons. And if, you know, I've met a lot of people who want to work remotely because they think they can like phone it in most days or they can bum around, they can sit at a coffee shop, they can check their email every once in a while. For a young college grad, if that's what they're trying to come into, then that's a bad idea because you've got to build a reputation and history with an employer and you want to make sure that you're thinking of it from the right reasons. If they're looking to be held accountable for their work and to be given the space to do that work and they have the discipline to work on their own in in a quiet environment where they can really focus, then that's what they should be looking for because you're not going to get that in an on-premise environment most of the time. It's going to be really hard to find a company that gives you the space to really focus and get your work done if you're all in the same open office floor plan together. Right. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask you specifically because of the way that you appear as a leader, which is what I think the value would be to someone entering the workforce. It's less about maybe the perks and more about those benefits that you were talking about or, or the relationship that, that comes from working in a remote team and some of the intentionality. So. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Remote doesn't mean always a good thing. I mean, that's the other thing with people first jobs was I want to make sure that, yeah, you're remote, but if your team's in Slack 24 hours a day and it's ongoing chatterbox in there, then like you're not doing, how are you handling deep work? Because never you broke remote that way, right? I mean, the, the gift remote work gives us is the ability to focus in a flexible environment. 
if you're not able to focus because you've turned the open office on in a remote team by just having Slack open all day, then you didn't do it, anybody, anything. I think all remote environments aren't created equal either, as much as all remote employees aren't created equal. That's a great point to end on. Well, appreciate you coming on, Natalie, and sharing all your thoughts with us. Thanks for coming on. Of course, this was great. Thank you. Our guests on the podcast bring up some amazing thoughts on remote culture. How do they keep remote culture from becoming stale and distant when the team isn't physically present day by day? Most, if not all of them, are leveraging in-person offsites. Get your employees out of the office and get ready for an experience that will give you a boost of team spirit. Head to thesurfoffice.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show to stay up to date with the latest conversations around the future of work. We'll be back with a brand new guest and some fresh ideas in a couple of weeks. Until soon.